I'm, uh, I'm not even gonna try and sing that one. Uh, it's just, there's nowhere to go from down from there for me. What an amazing, uh, talented team. Gotta to lose you to, to find me. Gotta lose you to, to love me. We're gonna talk about today some things that, that we need to lose so that we find God's purpose in our life. And we're gonna use this thing that looked like a mirror, turned out to be a screen. We're gonna pretend that it's gonna be a mirror again. You know, a lot of, a lot of funny things happen in a mirror. You know what I mean? Like, you ever seen like a kid in a mirror? Kids love themselves in a mirror. They'll just be making faces at themselves. What I found is kids and grown men love themselves <laughs> a mirror. Remember that old, the old uh, 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 SNL skit where it was like, uh, with Michael Jordan, it was like, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Now, you don't remember that one, nobody? Yeah, it's funny. It was funny, your first service. Mirrors, back to kids and funny faces, guys. Guys have never seen a mirror that they don't like. Come on, guys will turn anything into a mirror. We'll walk by a car window and be like, dang, you look good. Who is that guy? Oh, that's me, yes. The difference in men and women is how we see ourselves. We look in a mirror, and, and, and I'm gonna talk about losing both of these today. It's actually gonna tie all together. A, a woman looks in a mirror, and she sees that maybe she's getting older, or she's got a gray hair, or she's got a, a, a blemish on her face, and we try and make it all up and, and cover it all up. Men look in a mirror, and they don't see any blemishes or any mistakes. Like, you could have a beautiful woman like that, that is, like, Everything just looks great. She's attractive. And she'll look in the mirror and think, I could go for some Botox. You know what I mean? I could get a spot right here. And just so you know, 2021 ladies, we all know if you do Botox. It doesn't move above the eyebrows. We got it. Like, like I don't think anybody knows. We do. <laughs> I think people are leaving the church over there, Pastor Eddie. But I just, it's a place of accountability and feedback. You look great. We just know how you got there. You know what I mean? We just know your age and your face don't match. And so... <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Send your comments to tyler.altoff at theactionchurch.com. But a guy will look in that same mirror. I'm talking about a guy that maybe is a little older than he used to be, hasn't hit the gym, missing some teeth, receding hairline. He'll look in that same mirror and be like, what's up? You look good. I see you. <laughs> some things that are revealed in a mirror that, that need to, to change. There's some things when we, when we look in the mirror that need to be lost, if you will. We need to lose some things. Maybe for some of us it's some weight or some, some arrogance. What, what's the worst thing you, you've ever lost in your life? Maybe a, an ID, getting ready to go to the airport. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a child at Action Church. Maybe, who knows? A passport when you're overseas. Come on, somebody, you've been there before. You just lost your passport. You can't, you can't get back. You've, you've lost some things. You know, we associate losing things with it always being negative. And what I want to submit to us this morning is when we look in this mirror, in this reflection today, I, I, want, us, I want us to walk out of here having lost some things. I want to submit to you that we need to lose ourselves to find ourselves that you need to lose you to find God's purpose, his destiny, and his fulfillment for those purposes in your life. You've got to lose you to find you. First Corinthians chapter 15 says this, I protest, this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth, I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, 
which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, that I die every day. I, I lose my life every day. I'm losing every day. He says, you need to die to the world so that you can truly live the life God is calling you to. You are not enough. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. And doggone it, everybody doesn't like you. You know what I mean? Like, that's just a true statement. Like, it's just, you're not, in our own, we're not good enough. And the world, and I think even the enemy, has us fixated on this idea that if we just fix ourselves up, that we can be good enough, that we can be smart enough, that we can make it. He says, no, you're not good enough. You must lose some things. You must die to your old self and allow Christ to shine through you. That it's not a reflection of you, it's a reflection of Jesus. Luke's Gospel, chapter nine, this is Jesus talking. It says, Jesus said to all of them, if you want to follow me, and that is the goal, like if you don't know Jesus today, we're gonna give you an opportunity at all of our locations at the end of service to start a relationship with him. But those of us who call ourselves Christians, who've started a relationship with Jesus, that is the goal, to, to follow Jesus, to follow him every step of the way, that our life as we get older and as we mature in our faith, that we are looking more and more like Jesus. If you want to follow me, they, or let's make it personal today, you must give up the things you want. We gotta lose some things to find some things. You must be willing to give up your lives daily, to lose your lives daily to follow me. We gotta lose some things to gain some things. There's a famous quote by a missionary, Jim Elliott, who gave his, his life for the gospel. He was martyred for the gospel. He was killed by the very tribe of people that he was trying to reach for the gospel. And in a crazy turn of events in God's providence, God's will, his, his family and his ministry actually reached those people and that whole tribe that killed him actually gave their life to Jesus. And I guarantee you, if you could have uh, interviewed him before, if he knew what would have happened, he would have said, I would have sacrificed my life for my calling. I would have given my life so that they would inherit eternity. He says this, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That there's some things that we are trying to hold on to that we need to actually let go of. We need to lose some things to gain some things. We need to lose some things to gain some things. That's actually the first thing I want you to write down today. Lose some things to gain some things. First thing we need, we need to lose, and we're looking in this mirror. I don't know if, if, if you're like me, but a lot of times when I see myself, I, I see myself as, as what's happened to me. Come on, we need to lose, we must lose the pain of the past. If we are gonna find ourselves in God's purpose and plan for our life, we must lose the pain. What people said, what people did, your abuse, your, your trauma, the whatever somebody did to you, it is real and I'm not making light of it, I'm just saying you've carried it for too long. The line of the song that was just sung, it says you made me think that I deserved it. Like in the thick of my healing, you made me think that I deserved it. And that's what the enemy does. Now he uses people as abusers and as accusers, but he, he makes you think that you deserved it. So we stand in front of the mirror and we don't lose it and we don't let go of it because we think that we deserve it. Because of what somebody said to you or did to you, the accuser, the enemy comes in and says, no, you deserve that. You know what you... That was, 
That's actually okay because you did this, this, and this. You deserve that pain. And we start identifying by our pain and we are known by our pain. I am a victim. I've been traumatized. I've been left. You fill in the blank for what it is for you. And I'm not saying your pain isn't real, Action Church. I'm just saying you that the person of Jesus Christ is way bigger than your pain. And we've got to lose our pain because Jesus died for it. Like he went through his worst day. His pain on the cross should at some point in our life allow us to separate from our pain. I'm not minimizing it. I'm just saying, what if we began to release some of the pain and trust a little bit more in the, the person of Jesus? We're living too much in the past. And I, I wrestle with sharing this first because I shared it week one, but I couldn't get away from it. Somebody needs to be reminded today. Maybe you, you were here week one and you heard this, but Isaiah 43, Isaiah writing to people in bondage and captivity, but forget all of that. Forget the pain. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Because I know we have an eternity waiting for us. So I hope that it's here. I really do. In my own life, in this season of my life, I hope that, that there's a new thing coming. Like I, I'm believing God that the next season will be better than the last season. But you know what? I don't have a crystal ball and I don't know. But I do know that there is something better on the other side of eternity. So you're like, what is that new thing? I hope it's now. Hey, listen, it's not bad to pray for it to be now but I know that it's going to happen eventually. And that gives us faith from about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I'll make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. We, to gain perspective and our purpose, we, we've got to lose. We've got to lose some of the pain. Here's the second one, kind of along the, the same lines, but from a different angle. We must lose the shame. See, the, the first one is we're looking in the mirror and we're seeing everything that happened to us. The reflection of our, our pain and our, our victim mindset and all the wounds that were caused to us. The second one, we've got to lose the shame because I don't know about you, how many of you have made some mistakes in here? Okay, Pastor Ed, there's about seven people that did it. I think you're Jesus and I'd love to meet you after service. I have some questions because if there's seven of you, there's only one Jesus. And so I'd like to have like a little, like let's kind of whittle it down to like the real Jesus is here. And then maybe like serve communion or something. That'd be really fun for me. It's kind of like a bucket list. Like that'd be pretty awesome to have communion with Jesus. Like this is my body. Yes, it is. Thank you. <laughs> look, look, Christian humor for you. Made some mistakes. I've fallen short. I've said the wrong thing. I've done the wrong thing out of anger or in response, or maybe I've just, I've been ugly to somebody. I've betrayed all, all the things. You fill in the blank with your own stuff. And if we're not careful, we'll see ourselves by our past mistakes. And we're called to hate sin, but we're not called to hate the sinner. And that's not just externally. You know, all the time we say, hate the sin, love the sinner, but you and I are sinners. And the enemy's got us hating ourselves, and that's just not the case. So he, he's got us wrapped in this bondage of, of shame. Identify by our sin. This is who I was. Well, it's not who you have to be. It's who you were apart from Jesus. It's who you are when you, maybe you were following Jesus, but you, you, you fell or you made a mistake. Your mistakes don't have to define you. We must lose this, this shame and this guilt. Micah 7 says this, once again, you will have compassion on us, which tells me that you're gonna need it again. 
Like the grace of God saves you and sustains you. And I don't know if you know this, if you raise your hand, pray a prayer, become a small group leader, become a pastor, become a lead pastor, you're still gonna do some dumb stuff. Like once again, you will have compassion on us. Like thank God that he's a God of second, third, 70th, 700, 7,000, 7 million chances because we're stupid. But the enemy wants us to be defined by that stupidity and that shame. He wants to keep us there. Micah tells us that God, he will trample our sins under his feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. Another passage says he'll cast our sins as far as the east is from the west, which that's unimaginable, it's immeasurable. There's, it's the vastness of the ocean or the, the, the width of the east to the west. It means he no longer sees them. So why do we identify ourselves by our own shame and our own mistakes when God doesn't see us that way? I've taught this before, but I think it's important in this point. There's a difference between conviction and shame. The Holy Spirit convicts, and they feel similar. I don't believe that conviction is a feeling because I believe it's a spiritual thing, but just track with me for, for kind of tangibility purposes. They're, they're both, they feel the same. They, 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 in our mind, they may cause us to think the same in our heart. They may cause us to feel the same. But conviction leads to repentance. What I mean by that is conviction leads to change. You'll always know the difference between conviction and shame and guilt because conviction is always clarifying. Oh, I shouldn't do that. Okay. And conviction always shows you a path to redemption. So when I'm convicted of something that I've done, I now, through prayer, through the Holy Spirit, now I have a path of redemption to walk in repentance. It's clarifying. Conviction is always clarifying. It's almost always, it's tough, it's cutting, it's challenging, but when you start walking it, it's like a breath of fresh air. Well, shame and guilt is vague. And it's, it's, it's confusing. If conviction is clarifying, shame and guilt is confusing because the enemy wants to keep you there, identified by your mistakes. Conviction leads to change, shame leads to stagnation. I just stay right where I am. This is who I'm always gonna be. I am always this, I am always that. And we begin to wear those mistakes as a wardrobe or as a, as a coat. This is, who, this is who I am, no, it's not who you are. Actually, let me say it, it's like this. It is who you are, but it's not who you have to be if you give that area to Jesus. Like we must lose the shame. We must lose the shame. We must lose the pain. We must lose the shame. Here's the third one. We must lose the stress. Come on, the stress is why we need more Botox. It's why I need some hair colors. Get a little gray on the sides. I don't shave it uh, close on the sides because it's fashion. I do it because I'm going a little bald up top and there's gray on the sides. Just, just covering up. It's like smoking mirrors. Mirrors. You gotta lose the Stress. So the line of the song says, I gave it my all. And too many of us just keep giving and giving and trying and striving. And we keep falling short because we're trying to do so much on our own. Wow. Stressed, yeah. anxious. I gotta do this and I gotta do that. Come on, our society, we wear busy like a badge of honor. How you doing, busy? I'm just busy, kids are busy. Family's busy, business is busy, church is busy. Nobody said healthy, productive, growing, good, just busy. And it's that mindset of always having to do something. We're just so anxious and we're so wound tight. And we're so, 
We're so stressed. We see ourselves by what we have to produce and it, and it stresses us out. First Peter 5, 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. I read that different this week. You know, our God is a God of the impossible. He is a big God. He holds the whole universe in the palm of his hands. He created the heavens and the earth from nothing. He spoke and it came into be. He can do some really, really big things. But what I think you need to be reminded of today is what Peter is writing here in 1 Peter. He says, God cares about everything. He cares about you. He says, give God all of your worries and cares. See, we save the big stuff for God and we try and figure out the little stuff. God, I need your help. And then we leave him out of the, man, I was stressed coming in. Maybe, maybe you haven't been to church in a while and it was stressful to come back today. What are they gonna say? I haven't been here. What's, what's going on? Maybe it's walking into a new environment, a new job, a new season, your kids going to school. There's so many little things. And First Peter's telling us, give all of your worries. He doesn't say just give the ones you think that I need. And too many of us are too stressed because we, we're, we're handling too much. We gotta lose the stress and allow God to, to carry some things. He, he cares about you. He's not too busy for you. I don't know if it was a mother, a father, a teacher, a mentor who said, I don't, I don't have time for you. You figure that out on your own. God never says figure that out on your own. Now there's some things you need to walk out on your own after his leading and after his conviction. I'm not saying that obedience is important. We'll get to that in a second. What I'm saying is he wants to be included in all of it. Give God all of your worries and all of your cares. We must lose the stress. Here's the fourth one. And this is gonna, it's gonna shift, but I'll tie it back in. It's all really all talking about the same thing today. Here's the, the fourth one. We must lose the pursuit of success. We must lose the pursuit of success. It says rose-colored glasses are distorted. God, we love to be successful in America, don't we? God, we gotta win. We had a trophy, undefeated, champion, corporate ladder, American dream, success, America. <laughs> God doesn't really care about your success. Does it? We're chasing this, this pursuit of success that God's not all that concerned with your personal success. He's kind of working on a bigger story. Magnifying, glorifying, and exalting the name of, of Jesus. Success is about you, about me. Get to the end of our life. Come on. We're not gonna hear, well done, good and successful servant. Hey, I thank you so much, Justin, for, for doing so many great things. No. Well done, good and faithful servant. Like it's about obedience. Like it's not always about the, the wins and the losses. It's about the faithfulness of the call. We've got to lose this pursuit of success and pick up a pursuit of obedience. You say, well, what do you mean? Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people got saved. We all want to be Peter. I want to start a small group. I want 100 people to come to my small group. First off, that's not a win because that's not a small group. 
That actually defeats the whole purpose of what we're doing. You have to put, with 100 people, you better get some rows. And then start some more small groups because you just went totally against the marketing campaign of Action Church in the fall of 2021. It's about a circle. No corner. Nobody gets that. Oh, come on, that's funny. It's a movie, sorry. It's not about success. It's about obedience. Peter preaches to 3,000 people. They get saved instantly. Added to the number daily. Peter's successful. No, he's faithful. He's exactly where he needed to be. One of my most favorite scriptures that uh, got ruined for me, actually, because I used to, to preach it, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Here I am, Lord, send me. Who will go for us? Cries the Lord. Here I am, send me. I'm in. And we preach that, and we go on missions trips, and we go and we preach, and we're like, we're going to take the hill. Do you know how many people received the message that Isaiah went after he said, here I am, send me? Zero. Here I am, send me. To make zero difference. If we measured it by earthly success, did Isaiah miss it? Was God not calling him? Was he not obedient? No, no, no. Because it's not in the success of what you're doing. It's in the faithfulness and in the obedience. And I believe, I believe we don't even know what success is on this side of eternity. God's played a bigger game. You don't know the investment that you make with that random act of kindness. You don't know that person that you believe in, that baby that you hold in Action Kids that you pray over. You don't know what they're gonna do. You have no idea what eternal success is on this side of eternity, and yet we are held in this short-sighted, narrow-minded view of, a, of I need to do this and I need to do that. No, you need to do exactly what God is calling you to do. Amen. Well done, good and faithful servant. Paul got this right in the church of Philippi, Philippians 3. He says this. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm not real sure why that's something to brag about, but apparently in that culture, it's a big deal. Bible humor? Really? You don't get movie quotes or Bible humor. All right. It's Leviticus. It's six weeks in Leviticus for you. Everybody else, we're going to do a video series. Just the 11 o'clock service at Winter Park. We are going to just dive in. No entertainment. We're just going to read it sackcloth and ashes for you people. <laughs> I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once, catch this, catch the shift. He's listing all of his success, all of his accolades, all of his trophies, I once thought these things were valuable. But now, after meeting Jesus, after following Jesus, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. You ever said something and wanted to take it back? You're like, oh. Like Paul just said, hey, all these things I've done, everything I've done, I now count as worthless. Like I, I imagine him being up here and preaching and being like, oh, talking to the American church, talking about their stuff and their things and all of their trophies and their kids' trophies and all the stuff they post about. And I'm saying, hey, that's worthless. Ah, I'm gonna run that back. No, no, he goes more in. I love, I love Paul. He says, yes, I agree with everything I just said. Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. He's not saying the stuff that you and I do is garbage. He's saying if it supersedes our relationship and our focus on Jesus, if it, if it supersedes our mission and our calling, 
that it's worthless. We can't get it out of order. We must lose the pursuit of success. Here's the last one. We must lose the myth of control. We must lose the myth of control. We gotta lose that myth to find the truth. And the truth is that you and I are not in control. But pastor, if I do this, I get that. And too many of us live a A plus B equals C life. And that's just not how this thing works. If I do this and do this, my kids will turn out like this. No, gives them a better chance probably. I'm not saying we should be principally based. I'm just saying we're not God. (laughs) And we're not near it as in control as we think we are. Well, if I do this in my life or do this with my kids or do this in my marriage, do this in my finances, I'm gonna get this. No, principles do produce predictable results, but we're not in control and it's not always able to be predicted. We gotta lose the myth of of control. Philippians says this, don't worry about anything. When we start trying to control it, we, we, we worry. Instead, pray about everything. Back to 1 Peter, like everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. We must lose this myth of, that we're in control. What I found, church, is that all five of these, they seem different. The pain, the shame, the stress, success, control. They seem like different topics, different subjects, five different points, but they all have their root in the same thing. We've got to lose ourselves. I got to lose you to find God's purpose. You got to lose you to find you. You got to lose you to gain fulfillment because all of these five things have the same root in one thing and it's pride. Can we put that on the screen? All of these root, all of these have their roots in pride. And no, Pastor Justin did not type that word. It is not a typo. It is separate on purpose because what is right in the middle? Pride. I. You. Me. You're saying my shame is prideful? Yep. My pain? That's, that's, a, that's a version of pride? Yeah. Anything that causes you to have an overemphasis on you instead of the person of Jesus, it's pride. Arrogance is pride. So is insecurity. Because an over-focus on self. We say, I deserve, or I, I feel, or I, I think. They're just all terrible foundations of life. I'm gonna try harder. I'm gonna get better. I feel like I deserve are all dangerous statements because they focus on you and me. Pride is the root of all sin because it takes our eyes off of God and onto ourselves. It's what got Lucifer, the enemy, kicked out of heaven because he was leading worship to God. He was heaven's first worship leader. He's like, this is pretty fun. Look at all that I'm doing. God is just sitting up there on a throne. He's just sitting up there receiving. I'm actually leading. I'm actually doing. And if we're not careful, we'll become so obsessed with what we're doing for God, we'll forget that we're just a go-between to the worship of God. It's an overemphasis of self. So you say, you might my pain, you're minimizing my pain. I'm not minimizing your pain. I'm saying at certain point, you have to receive what Jesus did for you and move on. Pain and shame, they're pride. Stress, control, success, they're pride. 
we're looking in this mirror, we're seeing the wrong thing. The line in the song says this, this dance, this dancing is killing me softly and this dance around our shame and our pain and I can need to medicate and I need to get better and I need to talk about it. No, we need to give it to God. Like the world wants you to, to focus on you. you Got to focus on you, self-help, get better, try harder, do it better. It's destroying you. The world wants you to, to, to fix you. I got I to gotta fix this and I got to fix this and I got to make sure all of this is okay. It's destroying you. It's killing us. Better way. The world wants you to be obsessed with you. Your opinions, your feelings, your thoughts. You know, you, you plus you always equals no change. But we include Jesus in this picture. Everything, everything changes. You gotta lose some things to, to find some things. Like you gotta lose that, that pain. You gotta lose that pain to find healing. Well, you gotta lose that, that shame to find freedom. You will never walk in freedom if you carry that, that shame. You gotta lose that stress to, to find some peace. You gotta lose that pursuit of success to actually find significance. You gotta lose control to find your calling. You know, the, the gospel talks about this idea that you and I are, are just witnesses, that the disciples were just witnesses to all they've seen and heard, that we don't really tell our own story, so we're not really writing our own story, we're just living out God's story through us. Too many of us are stuck in this mirror because we're focused on, on, on us. We're focused on me. We're focused on, on I. What I need to fix, what I need to see. What I, what I need you to picture today spiritually is when you, if you are a believer, if you've given your life to Jesus, the Bible tells us that we're no longer our own. We die to ourselves every day. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me, that I've laid down my life and I've picked up His life and His calling. So you don't see you as you are. You see you as God sees you, and that's through Jesus. You and I, you and I, we're called to be a reflection of Jesus. So when we look in that spiritual mirror, we should not see ourselves by our shame, our pain, our success. It's not what we can do, what we can earn, or what we can control. We should see ourselves through the, the crucified and risen Savior, a reflection of Jesus. So everything that I do, walking out of pain, walking out of shame, it points people to Jesus. I'm not a reflection of my own recovery, of my own victory. I'm a reflection of what Christ did on the inside of me. All of my success and all of the accolades are not so that I could point to something I did. They're to point say, I'm a reflection of Jesus. I didn't do anything to deserve it. I could never earn it, but thank God he used me. We're not a reflection of you. You're a reflection of Jesus. You have to lose you to find you. You have to lose you. This is the gospel. You have to lose you to find Jesus. Surrendering you, laying down you, dying to you, and picking up a relationship with Jesus. You cannot be obsessed with you and obsessed with Jesus at the same time. You gotta get over you. Both the insecurity and the arrogance. To find Jesus. To 
to find significance and fulfillment, your calling, your destiny, your healing. You feel in need. Let's do this in all of our locations. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to close right there. God, we love you. Thank you for this word today that we've got to lose some things. We've got to lay some things down. That's what I'm going to ask you to do right now. I'm going to give you just a couple of moments. And between you and Jesus, nobody's looking around. Just a moment for you to listen to the call of God. The Holy Spirit is in this room and he's speaking to you right now. And I just believe some of you are seeing things differently right now. Spiritually speaking, you are laying down your life. You are losing control of your life. You are saying, God, I don't want to do it anymore. I just want you. I'm laying down my life, picking up the cross. I'm going to follow Jesus. How do I do that? Romans 10 says, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is Lord, that everything can change. We start a relationship. Well, Pastor, that seems really simple. It, it is because he did most of the work. Our job is to surrender, but we can only surrender because of his sacrifice on the cross. It's important that you know that Jesus, the second part of the Trinity, lived a perfect life because you and I could never do that. And our imperfection, our sin, our mistakes separated us from God. And apart from Jesus' sacrifice, we could never come into a right relationship with our Heavenly Father. His perfect life led Him falsely accused and betrayed to the cross. Why did He go to the cross? Because He needed to go to the cross to die for you and for me. His blood was shed to cover our sins. So His sacrifice on the cross, His, his atonement of our sins, means that we can have access to mercy and grace forgiveness and salvation. Basically access to a relationship with the Father. We are now in right standing with God because there's a substitution that took place where Jesus took our mistakes and our sin and our shame and he gave us his righteousness. The story doesn't stop there. Jesus was resurrected. He was risen from the dead three days later and that resurrection gives us victory over sin in the grave. What that means is we have power to overcome this sinful world through the Holy Spirit and the death has lost its sting that we now have a hope in eternity with our Heavenly Father. And our job is simply to surrender, to lose ourselves and to pick up Jesus. If you wanna do that today, say, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. Would you raise your hand right where you are? Come on, some of you, it's the first time. It's your day of salvation. Others are recommitting your life. You're, you're, you're losing some things, but you're gaining Jesus. Anybody else? I got one, two, three, four, gotcha. Yep, five. Six, over here, seven. Yep, proud of you. One, eight, nine, ten in the stadium. One more back there, got you. Yep, yep. Anybody else? Losing me, finding Jesus. Come on, Oviedo. Got you right in the middle, man. Proud of you. Two more. Yeah, right here. Heaven is rejoicing. Family is changing. Eternity is being spent in a different place. You're, you're making a decision today to become a disciple of Jesus. We still got hands going up. I'm losing some pain. I'm losing some shame. Well, let's don't rush this. Just a couple more moments. Oviedo, Sanford. Proud of you. South Orlando. I want somebody worshiping online right now. Put your hands down. So proud of you. Come on, the words that you're about to pray are not that important. It really is the posture of your heart. Saying, God, have your way of me. I'm losing all of me, but I'm gaining 
all of you. There's a surrender that's happening right now in your spirit. Say something like this. Pray it in your hearts. I pray it out loud. Say this. Say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you. I really thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. I'm confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are in control. That you are risen from the grave. You are Lord of my life. I give you access to all of me. Thank you. Thank you for saving me. Now, God, I pray for all of us today, every single one of us. I let us lose some things today and this week. Pain, the shame, the stress, the success, the control. Let us see ourselves as you see us through the lens of the cross and the resurrection. And then let us represent that difference in front of a world that needs it. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you in this place. Everybody Action Church said amen and amen. Can we give it up for those decisions? Come on, really celebrate them. I'm so proud of you.